Hello, I'm Niall Easton, and this is Fully Involved, a Unified Fire podcast. Welcome. Today, we're actually going to be talking about VEBA. Now, if you don't know what that is, you're not the only one. Um, I had questions when I first heard it. I had to go Google it. But we brought in a cadre of experts to help explain it because it's something that's coming um, our way as employees of this great organization. So let's start with Chief Riley Pilgrim. Introduce yourself, your involvement with this, and then we'll just go around the table. Yes, uh, Riley Pilgrim. I'm actually the chair of the uh, VEBA committee. Um, I assumed this role when Chief Zolkowski retired. Jeremy Robertson. Uh, I'm currently a trustee, one of two trustees that are appointed by Local 1696 to the board. And I was the president when we put this in place. Okay. I'm Ariane Wolf, the HR director and also a member of the VEBA Board of Trustees and was involved with Jeremy when we put this together quite a few years ago. Okay. Bill Brass. Um, I'm a member of the board as well. I represent retirees on the board and uh, I bring the old people perspective. That's right. (laughs) The resident expert on a lot of older things. Well, thanks for joining us. So just to start, what is a VEBA? And then let's talk a little bit about the history with VEBA here at Unified Fire. So what is it? So technically it's called a Voluntary Employees Beneficiary Association, which really tells you nothing. What it is, is an account that you contribute employer funds into, and then that account can be used by employees once they separate employment. So usually when they retire, but it could also be if they resign or leave for any other reason, then these funds are available to them to use for medical expenses. So it really operates a lot like the flex plan post-retirement. You can use it for pretty much anything you can use a flex plan for. Um, healthcare premiums, dental health care expenses, anything after that. And you just, um, it's just an account that's available for you for that. So that's really what it is, a post-retirement, post-employment medical account. And our employees can retire after 20 years, 25? What is it now? The tier one can retire 20 years. The tier two can retire 25 years. Okay. So for a lot of them, I mean, you Relatively speaking, I'm, I, I worked for the state for years. I, I have to put in 30, so I'll be 60-something. But for a lot of our folks, they're going out a little earlier than that. So, yeah, what do they do in the meanwhile without a VEBA, I guess, is what I've wondered. Like, well, how do you bridge that gap? Or, or do you not? I mean, what, what's been happening right now? Well, that was the problem that was identified, Niall, um, back in 2012 when the plan was put in place was on average, firefighters hire on around the age of 27 in the state of Utah, and they stay for about 27 years. So that would put somebody at about 54 years of age when they retire, and they don't qualify for Medicare for another 11 years. Mm. So UFA had a benefit in place that would continue to pay the employees portion of the health care post-retirement to help them bridge that gap. And Due to a lot of accounting uh, laws and some changes that came about, um, that was untenable and UFA needed to find an alternate way. So the plan was designed to try to help fill that 11-year gap between when someone on average would retire as a firefighter and when they could reach Medicare. So we've had one since 2012? So we had one through uh, Nationwide uh, in 2004. Okay. And that plan 
we stopped funding it in 2006, Ari. Probably. Maybe 2007. Seven, I believe, but yeah. So we still had those accounts, and then uh, the money that was in those accounts rolled over into the new plan in 2012, which is a standalone plan uh, owned by the UFA and the employees of UFA. We did that because the fee structures were just mm-hmm. infuriating, to say the least. So it's not new to us that we're having this. What What's the news then, I guess? What's the new part of this, the contribution coming? Yeah, so I think what's interesting and why a lot of employees don't know about it now is we probably are dividing kind of half and half, I would say. At the time we established it, the board knew that they were removing one benefit, which was the ability to carry your own insurance or um, up oh. until Medicare, just they would contribute your same premium, and they knew that was going away. So they offered, and it was close to um, three million. Yeah, three was? million. Seed three million dollars um, that they split between the employees who were had at least four years on at that time in 2012, and we used a pretty complex formula that we came up with, had to do with your age. At the time, how many years of service you had. So it was really trying to forecast how much you would need to get from there towards Medicare. And there was a buyout that went in. And several, and most of the employees, like I said, if you were over four years, it was scaled um, percentages. The employees voted on the different percentages. It was a pretty complicated project that we went through then. But um, those employees got money deposited in, into their account. So that was really the primary amount of money that's gone in initially. And then we established the ability, um, the sick leave buyback went into place at that same time. So currently, if you have more than 960 hours, um, different for civilians, but for sworn 960 hours of sick leave, then the amount that you have above that each year can get cashed out at 60% rate. That's what the board bought off on too. And that could deposit. So up until this point, that's really been the only two ways that employees have been able to put money in. Or when they retire, actually, they could put their own cash out into it. And what was the civilian hours? It's it's a little over 700. I can't remember. I think it's when I say 642. It's the 640. 640. Okay. 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 So like I said, it's been around. But the news this year is we're getting a 2% company provided essentially benefit. We ran the numbers this morning. That means 212 more benefited employees with UFA will get accounts either Mm -hmm. in July or in January. And we'll start having money that's professionally invested and managed targeted towards providing for their health care post post separation, post retirement. That's a lot of new folks that are going to be added to the benefit. So I would imagine because it's funding that goes for something so specifically needed that the investment strategy is probably a little different than a 401k. I wouldn't think you're taking the risky investments. I mean, do you know what the rate of return has been on average? It varies from year to year. Niall, it um, has been really good. Uh, and the fund is at balance right now a little over $5 million. Um, one of the benefits of being part of this program is your little contribution and I speak specifically about my own, can grow dramatically during the period that you are invested in the fund. And uh, as we talked about earlier, those funds are available when you retire for critical medical needs. Yeah. So what have we been getting lately? So the average over the life of the plan the last 10 years um, is 6.59%. Mm. 
since inception, but we have an investment policy statement because you're going to invest that money differently if you're early in your career and you have a long time to invest it versus if people need to start drawing those monies um, to pay for health insurance. So as a board, um, we discussed and, and we have an investment policy statement that the fund manager uses. Our target is 4% over inflation. So if you calculate that uh, inflation on average is about 2% per year, you could use 6% kind of as a, as a rate of return um, that we target. We've had some years that our managers have earned 12%, 18%, wow. 11%, some other years that were closer right on that 6% target. But most importantly, they've been able to do that with a lot less volatility um, than if we had just invested it straight in the stock market. Wells Fargo okay. does a great job with that. That's great. Well, let's talk some, some specifics about how it works and why why we want this. Um, how does it work with taxes? Like, is it pre-tax? Is it when do taxes get applied to this money? They don't. So that's what's so great about it. So it goes in tax-free. So it goes in and doesn't count as taxable income. And then earnings happen tax-free. And then when you get the money out and it's reimbursed to you, it's also not taxed as long as it's used for, and you just have to, or restricted, but for what you can use it for. And that's how the IRS sets it up. So that's why you get the tax advantages. So really, if you look at the amount, say you're just at a 12 or 15% tax bracket, then you're going to save that money on the front end and on the back end. Hmm. Are there fees we have to pay? Are they a lot? So fees were definitely in the center of our bullseye when we were establishing this plan. Uh, those that were in the nationwide plan remember that we would see our account balances diminish every time we got a statement because nationwide was just taking a ton of fees. So we negotiated really hard with Wells Fargo on the front end, um, and their their investment fees are very low, usually 1% or less. And then uh, Compucis is who you interface with once you start to receive the benefit. They're what we call third-party administrator. They currently charge us $6 per account per quarter. So that's $24 a year um, in fees for each account, Okay, which is low. Okay. And then how do I track it? Like how do I see how it's doing, see if I have anything available if I'm so the only time I unlike a flex plan, I can't just use it any time. It is strictly for after I stop working here. Yeah, but retirement. You, yes. Yeah, but you can track it now. We have a website, every employee has access to it. You have a username and password. And you can get on there anytime and see basically your your uh what's been contributed, where the fees are going, or what's being paid out of your account. And so all employees have access to that and they can monitor that. Anytime they want to. CompuSys has an app too. Okay. So you talked a little bit about this, but just to go back, can I contribute more than that 2% or is that the fixed rate? It, the thing about the VIBA is it is an employer. The money has to come from the employer. It's not like a 401k where you can contribute your own money. It, it needs to come from the employer. So really the only time that you can put your own money in or control it is at the time that you are leaving and you're cashing out your vacation and sick leave. And then you can designate a portion. It's still going to come from your employer. You don't get it and then get to put it into the VIBA. 
you tell the employer to put in into the VBA before you cash it out. But other than that, um, the IRS, because of those tax advantages, is very restrictive in how money gets deposited into the account. So, so it has to come from the employer. So, so this is the way is using a portion of our salary as Chief Peterson's proposed to put 2% into this fund. This is how we can fund this uh, on the front end earlier in our career before you have extra sick leave or vacation to contribute. Okay. And then I know there's got to be some kind of, I mean, the government doesn't just do things like this without some kind of check on it. I mean, are there some negatives? I've heard rumors of different things. Are, are there negatives with the, the VBA account? I would say that they, there's a lot of rumors going around about it. And um, personally, I've used this. I recently had shoulder replacement surgery. I retired in 2007. And my Viva account grew, as I said, well enough that I was able to cover the costs of that. Some of the things that we've heard from other people is the inheritability of it. And then other people who um, may be in the military and have TRICARE and don't believe that they would need it. But I start Medicare next month, and I can tell you the monthly costs of that are not free. And you can use it to pay your deductibles and premiums for Medicare when you get to that age. Um, this is a great bridge. I wish we could take someone and move them 20 or 30 years into the future when they hire on so that they would understand how good this has been for them at that time. And I don't know how we're going to dispel that, but I can just tell you from personal experience, this is good. This is a good thing. Yeah, because I know some felt like, gosh, I would have rather had some of that just as cash up front because then I can control it. It's my money. But it sounds like, yes, there's a trade-off. But in the end, it will save you really enormous amounts of money down the road. And I know that's hard for some young folks to see because it's a long ways down there. If you would have talked to me about this when I started my career when I was like 25, 26, I'd have been like, what? I'm dying here. I need the money. But now that I'm over 50 and starting to see that horizon, uh, yeah, it's sounding pretty good. So it's. How, how does it work to even access it, to withdraw it? How, how do you use it once you're out? It's quite easy. Once you have a medical receipt and you just um, make a copy of it, send it in. You can uh, photocopy it and take a picture if you want. That's how I did all mine. Send it into CompuSys and you get a check within 30 days. Tax-free. I've had a couple of retirees that a couple of years ago, like 18 months or two years ago, had some issues with their reimbursements and they were frustrated with the process. And we worked through several of those with Compusis and they, they were really good about making some changes on their end. They added the app that Chief uh, Brass talked about that you could just take a picture of your receipt and send it in immediately. So um, the, the third party administrator can change from time to time, but we're pretty pretty happy and hearing good things from the retirees about how they're able to access it. And you mentioned, Ari, that it's very similar to a flex plan, cafeteria plan. Does it cover the exact same things? Like if I wanted LASIK, would it cover that? Even yeah. elective surgeries like that? It, it, Yes, I'd say generally speaking. So it can go for behavioral health kind of things for prescriptions. I would say the vast majority of people, what they're using it for is to bridge that gap, right? So they're either going to use it for healthcare premiums of COBRA or any other kind of 
if you've got marketplace insurance or a private insurance, it's going to cover those premiums for for you. Or if you're actually Medicare eligible age when you retire or close to it, then it's going to cover that Medicare supplement that most everyone gets when they get Medicare. Like very few people don't get the supplement and it covers those premiums. So I think you can either take a, you, you pay it and it's reimbursed. So you can take proof of what you've paid into those things and get the reimbursement. I know that Mitzi in September, I'll kind of give them a shout out. They go in and it's kind of like a little, they go to lunch, right? And then they go and hand in their receipts and they get their money from their, from their Viva. And they've kind of done that every month since they retired. Some people pay it for a whole year and then just get a big cash out. Mm -hmm. So, you know, get the whole year's premiums. And Compusus also has a mobile app now. So you can get it on your phone. You can take a picture of your receipt. It uploads it. Money goes into your account. So you don't need to go find anybody to do it. So it it really it does work pretty pretty easily. What And maybe this is a question for you. What was the decision-making from the chief and from all of you about why to do this increase this year this way and and not a di- and just not as like a 1% um, salary boost for everybody. I think a lot of it is to help set up these future employees and all of us for this cost when we're ready to retire. I mean, they've recognized that some of our post-retirement benefits have been definitely reduced. And so this is a great way to kind of you know, have the organization provide another asset to our employees as they prepare for retirement. And, and kind of like Jeremy said, I mean, a lot of us are going to be able to retire young or have de- dependents in the home. And I think this is a cost that we often overlook. So one thing we've really tried hard to do is look out for, you know, the future and for our employees and, and find ways that, you know, we can contribute and ensure that they have something reliable to count on down the road. So um, that was a big part of it the, with the COLA and the, uh, so it's a 1.2% COLA and then a additional 8.8% that was going to be added. Um, the way it was offset too is to reduce the demand on the budget and the increase that we would be asking for our members. And so part of the offset too that may not be understood is it, it helps us kind of soften that ask to the board because it is a pretty significant increase. And so being able to provide that to our civilian and sworn employees is a, you know, pretty big help. So that makes sense. And I wanted, I, I had a note from somebody who emailed me from the field about this and you touched on it a little bit. So this one negative, let's just walk through real quick. I die suddenly. What happens to that money? Let's just get it out there so we can put the rumors to rest. What exactly happens? So what happens to the money is if you if you pass away, if you have a spouse, then your spouse has access to that money to continue to use for the exact same things that you could have used it for. So they can continue to pay for health care premiums, Medicare premiums, medical expenses. So your spouse can use up all the rest of the money um, if that's the case. Or if you have dependent children. So IRS defined dependent children, not just the kind that are dependent, but um, don't count (laughs) for taxes. So anyway, they can also use it. So say you're not married, but you have dependent children, then they can continue to use the funds in that manner. But my adult 28-year-old son could not. So like for me, yeah, not being married and I don't have any um, tax-dependent children, then what would happen to my funds that are in there? is they would revert back to our pooled group. So not just to everyone who has, just within our VEBA group. 
they would be distributed to um, all the employees that are part of the plan. I see. Okay. So there's a little trade-off, but it's still for you, your spouse, to bridge that gap is, is a big deal. It really is. Um, so I think it's important um, to kind of contextualize that as well. Uh, because most of these accounts, you know, if we talk to Compucis, there were a few individuals that were a, a long ways away from retirement and they were really young when the plan was formed. And there were some individuals that had tens of thousands of dollars that was put in there. But on average, most of these accounts are probably a few thousand dollars. And, and when you leave and on average, a family health insurance plan outside of UFA on the private mm -hmm. market might be a thousand dollars a month. If it's just you and your spouse, maybe you're $700 or $600 a month. Um, we're talking about maybe a year at most that you can cover out of your VIBA. And, and some financial folks can help you look at other avenues. You can pull $3,000 a year out of your 457 plan to use the same way. So maybe that helps your VIBA go a little bit farther. But we have never had anyone in 10 years that has abandoned their money. Thank heavens, That's right? We don't know. ever yeah. want to see that. Um, I know as a board of trustees, we've talked about what's the most appropriate way, heaven forbid that should happen, how it would be used. Um, and, and there's some options there that Ari mentioned, but we're also not talking about a hundred thousand dollars. We're talking about a few thousand dollars that very likely is going to be used up within the first few years after you retire. The goal to chief pilgrim's point is to have these grow over a 25-year career to the point where you can leave after 25 years and you can cover 10 years of health insurance premiums. We're not to that point yet. And, and hopefully, for someone else's sake, long beyond when I'm here, these accounts get to that point that people don't have to stay on this job because of health insurance. They have to have the insurance, yeah. I think that's the number one reason. Would you agree, Chief Pilgrim? Yeah, I'd agree. That's the number yeah. one reason people stay on this job longer than than they want to is health insurance. And I would bring up too that back when we had the the healthcare that did cover from when you retired up until Medicare, people did still stay on because of insurance because it only covered the employee. It was 80% of the employee's mm -hmm. premium. So you were still covering your family. So this is actually a little bit more flexible and more the ability to, you know, retire to what you're gonna do and use it for um, coverage, even if you have a spouse or children at home still. And so I think, um, like Jeremy said, we've always had the issue of, I don't know if I can retire because of health insurance. And this is a way to try to make that not be as much a part of the conversation. Another point I'd like to make is from its inception, Jeremy fought hard to get a dedicated contribution by UFA to the employees. And that's happening now. Yes, it's 2%. It's not very big. And I hear all the negative about the VIVA, but what I'd like to hear from people is why isn't it bigger? And they should be fighting for that long-term so that it can grow more and that they have more money when they retire. That's a great point. I guess baby steps as we go, this is a good start, good jump start of the program. So it's basically kind of been sitting since the uh, 2012. You guys have been managing it, but there's not been new contributions rolling in? Or? No, because it started with $3 million and we're over five now. Yeah. So I would say it's far from sitting uh, necessarily. but It's the sick leave. It's the sick yeah. leave that gotcha. people have. And you get okay. to your, you can max out your sick leave if you don't use it. Mm -hmm. Generally eight to nine years. 
Um, and then that's there. And then every year, everything you accrue past that point, then you can put in each year 60% of that. And that, that does raise, that's how people have built their balances up until this point. I gotcha. And then that will still go on, right? That will be happening, but you'll also be able to contribute this, not you contribute, but we'll be contributing 2% on your behalf and that will allow that to grow. Um, so I think, yeah, sometimes you just have to try to address the things that people are going to, we know what they're concerned about when it actually gets to be time for them to retire. We've heard for years and years that that really is a, it's a big, big issue. It's yeah. a big issue to cover healthcare. So whether you can see it quite from this point in your career or not, it, all the people who've left before you, it has, it has presented an issue. So we're kind of trying to fix that problem for those that will be coming behind. And the money's managed very well because we have a constant withdrawal every month. It's in the neighborhood of a hundred to one hundred and twenty thousand, and so the um, sick leave's not going to keep up with that entirely. So managing the money properly is going to grow the funds. That sounds like it's been doing pretty good. That's that's a good return on investment. Well, I want to say thank you to you guys for all your work getting us to this point. Thanks the chief for getting us here and the board for supporting it. Um, just real quick, the current trustees, and tell me if I miss anybody. I just, for anybody has questions, Tony Hill, our CFO, you, Ari, of course, Brian Roberts, our CLO, Jeremy, you're on there, um, David Banners, the vice chair, William Brass, that's you, Bill, um, Carla Rickards, and Chief Pilgrim, and Chief Burchett. Yeah, that's correct. Okay. So, how often do you guys meet? Quarterly. Yeah, quarterly. So it's it's actively managed. It's something you've got. Well, just speaking for civilian side, we're grateful for it. Um, I know now when I go, uh, my wife and I have already been talking. I had the option of bailing out. I'll have 30 when, when I'm 61. And it was like, yeah, but what do we do for those four years? This might, even in this next 10 years for me, be just enough to bridge that gap. So for our younger firefighters, this will be a big deal that they'll be able to live. So it's going to be a legacy item. I, I can see down the road that people are grateful 30 years from now, 20 years from now for what was done today. So thank you all for that hard work. Any other comments? Yeah, I just was going to point out that we're going to be pushing out open enrollment for everyone for this year. And as part of that, through that navigate system that you've been using to do your um, benefits for the last couple of years, there is a link to our benefits booklet. And in that booklet, we have um, a VEBA FAQ document, so frequently asked questions. And it's got the website where you can go on and see if you have actually have an account or if you need to reset your account. Um, it's got information about the mobile app and how that works. And we're going to be pushing out additional information as we get ready to gear up to actually start going through the contributions. So you'll see more information, but just know that that Benefit Book has a lot of information in it, and it ties right to that website where you can check right now to see if you have an account. Um, if you hired on after 2000, let's see, 15? No. I'm trying to do the math if you were in 2012. So, yeah, do you, you, most of you would if, you're, if you hired on. I can't do the math. After about 2007. Don't do math on radio. Yeah, yeah. be reverse. Sorry, It'd be, yeah. if you hired on after yeah. two thousand seven, then you have an account. Then you don't have an account. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, Bill. Yeah. Um, another quick point. I'm sorry. I, I, I lost my total train of thought there, so I'll leave that. Okay. Well, 
again, thank you all um, so much. Really appreciate it. When when does this go into effect? The two percent will depend on the budget approval. Mm-hmm. So we have the uh, draft budget has been presented to the finance committee. That'll go to the board at our next May board meeting. They'll review that, and then by the June board meeting, we should totally have a final option. Yep, that will include the two percent. Okay, but that's not slated to start till January. Yeah, of twenty twenty two for yeah. everyone. Yeah. Okay. Okay, I didn't remember. So this is tied to the stock market, and it's going to have its ebb and flows. So when you look at your account, some days it might be higher, and then next month it might be a little lower. It just depends on the stock market. The beauty of this is you can't touch it till you retire. So leave your panic at home and just let it grow. Over time, it will it grow. Will. Good point. All right, well, we'll end on that. Thank you all for joining us today. For Cam DeVogue, who's producing the show, I'm Niall Eason, and this has been Fully Involved. Until next time. From the Salt Lake Valley, this has been Fully Involved. Follow Unified Fire on social media and be sure to subscribe to this podcast. Until next time, stay safe and thank you for listening.